Last week, we began a, our focus on evangelism. And I'm calling the series of messages, we'll probably go on for uh, another month or so, the New Testament methodology for doing being evangelism. That might not sound correct, but the idea is that we want to focus both on what we do and what we are, that we witnesses of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and I am concerned about this, of course, for several reasons. The major one, of course, being that evangelism is one of the major objectives of the church. The purpose, of course, is to glorify God. One way of doing this from a biblical perspective is to be involved in sharing the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the focus, as always, is to help us to be true to our, our purpose as a church, our mission, our mi mandate as a church. That's why we're focusing on evangelism. But I'm convinced that we have a distorted view or perception of what evangelism is. We've reduced evangelism to gimmicks and doing certain things. And if we don't have these gimmicks, if we don't do these certain things, then we are not evangelizing. That is not a New Testament principle at all. Last week, we tried to demonstrate that. And uh, today, we're going to be talking about prayer and what I call natural evangelism. I'll explain that. But last week, I tried to show from the scriptures that Jesus himself has given us methodology, a specific methodology for doing evangelism. By the way, let me say something. Last week is one of the most difficult messages I've preached in a long time. When I say difficult, I, had, I was in pain all the way through that. I wasn't sure I was preaching what I should be preaching. I wasn't sure I was saying what I should be saying. And today I had planned on preaching that entire message over again. You'd have enjoyed that, wouldn't you? Uh, but then I had some reports. No, hey, we understood it well, all, all well. But it was a difficult message. When I got in the car, I says, Nancy, I felt like I was run over by a truck. I was really worn out. when That, that was really a funny experience. Uh, and... Uh, I don't know why, maybe just because I was tired, but it was a difficult message. But this is what we were trying to present. Jesus himself presented a methodology for being witnesses to be an evangelist. He says in John 3, 5, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you what? If you have love for one another. Now notice that, love. Then he says also in John 15, 8, my Father is glorified by this, that you so prove, and so prove to bear much fruit be my, as my disciples. And we demonstrated there that bearing much fruit in the context when you bring it all together has to do with the results of living a righteous lifestyle. When you live a righteous lifestyle, it has to do with the bearing of the fruit of the Spirit, you will bear much fruit. So it has to do with living a righteous lifestyle. The result of that is bearing much fruit. And then thirdly, Jesus said also in John 17, I, he's, this is his prayer to his Father. And he's praying for us here, by the way. Jesus actually prayed for us. He said, I wasn't praying for uh, uh, those who are not in the Word. I'm not praying for my apostles, my disciples here, but I'm praying for those who what? would believe through it. So he's praying for us who believe through his name. I in them, and this is his prayer, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity. Why? So that the world may know that you sent me. You notice that in the three occasions here, when it deals with love, much fruit, and unity, the reason for this, he says, is the result of this, rather, is what? The world may know that you sent me. Look at what he says here. Uh, in each one of them, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. 
My Father is glorified by this, that you so prove to be much fruit be and be my disciples. John 70, 23, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me. Put these together, we have a, what I call a New Testament methodology for doing evangelism. Loving one another, living a righteous lifestyle, and being united. Now think about it for a moment. None of these really have to do with doing things as much as it has to do with what? Being. You see? Being loving, being righteous, being united with the people of God. Now think about it very carefully. What are some of the most effective methods that the devil has used to mar the testimony of the church of Jesus Christ? Isn't it lack of love amongst God's people? You hear that again and again. Those people show no love. What about a righteous lifestyle, bearing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit? Many people, you know, as I mentioned last week, fellows asked, you know, why do you think it is that uh, more people do not become Christians? He says, well, number one, it's because they have never met a Christian. And then the next second answer was, because they have met a Christian. You get it? Sometimes by our own lifestyle, we drive people away from Christ. What about unity? This has been one of the most divisive things amongst the people of God. Well, lack of unity. And as a result of this, a lot of people driven away from the church of Jesus Christ. Love, lack of unity, and unrighteous lifestyle. Jesus says, if we have these things in our lives, people will be attracted to us because we reflect what he is like. That's the principle. And so the New Testament principle basically is this. We are not to do certain things to be witnesses, but we are witnesses. We are witnesses. The only question is what kind of witnesses? We are to be loving. Are you? Loving towards one another. Caring for one another. Being there for one another. And again, I want to thank the Lord so much for how I see this is becoming more and more pervasive in our body here. God's people are really reaching out to one another. In fact, I've just been blessed this past week. You know, Talios is moving into a new uh, facility. And we have our men coming up. They're painting and they're cleaning up and they're doing it. It's so great. And I don't have to do anything but stand up and watch. But no, it really warmed my heart to see that. And that is happening with God's people, caring for one another. What about a righteous lifestyle? What kind of lifestyle are you living? People in your office, do they know that you're a Christian? Not because you told them verbally, but because of the way you live, by your actions, your refusal to be dishonest, your refusal to curse when everybody else is cursing, walking away when they're talking dirty jerk. Do they know you're a believer? What about the idea of unity? Are you divisive as an individual? Do you cause problems within the body of Christ? See, those are the things that drive away people from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, one of the reasons why the World Council of Churches came into being, originally, it's gone away from the original, but originally, you know why? It's because on the mission fields around the world, people were looking at missionaries who came and they were fighting amongst themselves on the field. And so the... World Council of Churches, the people behind it, wanted to have something to show that, hey, we are united here, and these different religions can get together. But of course, they went astray, I believe, in different things. But 
What struck me about the World Council of Churches was that one of the reasons for the existence, coming into existence, is the lack of unity on the mission fields and the fact that the people that they were trying to reach were being driven away from Christ because of the lack of unity amongst the people of God. And so Satan has used these areas, lack of love, lack of an unrighteous lifestyle, and lack of unity within the people of God. Not to a, uh, a, a, He's used them to drive people away. And Jesus says, as we manifest these virtues in our life, we draw people to him. But now I want to move on today. I want to go a little further to, keep, to demonstrate again that evangelism has to do more with what we are than what we do. And so today we're going to be talking a little bit about what I call uh, two ways of doing evangelism by just being. But the being reflects in certain actions. And I want to look at a basic text today. If you have your Bibles, you can look on the screen as well, but if you have your Bibles, it's Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. I'll begin at verse 3. It's in the middle of the, the sentence here, but I want to begin here. Paul says, praying at the same time for us as well. This is Paul writing to the church at Colossae, and he's closing out his letter now, and this is his request. Praying at the same time for us as well that God may open up to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, in order that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt so that you may know how you should respond to each person. Now, I believe that we have elements in this passage of Scripture that reflect how the New Testament teaches us to be evangelistic and to do evangelism. Let's look at it carefully. First of all, there's a matter of prayer. Notice what he says, praying. And we're going to be talking a little bit today about prayer evangelism. Many people don't realize that prayer itself is a method for evangelism. Say, praying at the same time for us as well. Now, Paul himself, the great apostle, is asking for prayer. That's amazing to me. Prayer, then, is the first element here. Praying at the same time for us as well, that God may open up to us a door for the word. What is he praying, asking prayer for? For opportunities. A door. For the word of God. Opportunities to speak the word of God. Opportunities. That's the second element here. But let's go on. So that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. Speak forth. This is verbal proclamation. He wants opportunities to verbally. To verbally proclaim the word of God. Notice. For which I have also been imprisoned. He's reflecting the concept now that whenever we proclaim the, ver the word of God, we can expect what? Opposition. And we're going to see that is also true when we are being evangelistic in our lifestyle. We will be opposed. But let's go on. For which I have always been in prison, also been in prison, in order that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. He's praying for clarity in presenting the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I am convinced one of the greatest problems we have today in what we call evangelistic preaching is, the, is the, this idea we do not preach the gospel accurately. We do not preach the gospel clearly. 
More people are coming up to accept Christ because of marital problems, financial problems, or health problems, rather than sin problems. The fact that they realize that the sinners are on the way to hell. They don't preach the gospel clearly. And so Paul is asking prayer for all people. Paul himself is asking that the people of God pray that he preaches the word accurately. And to me, that's a great concern. But he goes on, in order that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. And then he says, now that has to do with him. Now he comes to the individual. He says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. Now he's talking about our lifestyle. Proclamation by lifestyle. Not only proclamation by word, but proclamation by lifestyle. Notice what he says. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Now, he's telling us, when we come into contact with outsiders, by outsiders he means what? Or who? He means unsaved individuals, you see. Now, think about it. You ever come into contact with unsaved people? You bet your life, as Paul says someplace else, if you don't want to come in contact with unsaved people, you've got to get out of this world. So what is the concept then? We are always in contact with unsaved people. Therefore, we should always be ready to conduct ourselves wisely in their presence in order for the word to be proclaimed. Not necessarily verbally, but by our lifestyle. Notice now, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace. Notice now, seasons as it were with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. He's talking now about what I call evangelistic conversation. You've got to know how to talk to those people, unsaved people that you meet every day. See, our problem is it's not that we don't have the opportunity, it's that we abuse the opportunity. We have to learn how to speak evangelistically. These are some of the basic concepts that Paul gives us here for evangelism. Now, we're going to look at this in more detail. Because I believe it's important for us to base our evangelism on the Word of God. Let's take a look at it. He says, first of all, I want you to pray for those who share the gospel. Notice what he says. Praying at the same time for us as well. This is where I bring in prayer evangelism. Now, when we talk about prayer evangelism, the first thing that comes to your mind is what? Praying for the unsaved. Isn't that right? Yeah. If you're going to pray evangelistically, you want to pray that somebody gets saved. Isn't that right? So we normally begin by calling the names of individuals. That's a beautiful thing. But you know something? The New Testament method doesn't begin with the unsaved. It doesn't begin with the one who hears the gospel. It begins with the one who preaches the gospel. Because if that gospel isn't presented clearly, accurately, no matter how much they hear, it's not going to be effective. You understand what I'm saying? So he begins with himself. This is what I call prayer evangelism. Number one, pray for those who share the gospel. Share the gospel. Pray for me, Paul says. I might have an opportunity and that I might speak the words clearly. Pray for me. Do you know that there are more requests in the Bible to pray for those who preach the gospel than to those to whom it is being preached? 
So my question is now, when last should I pray for me? No, I'm serious. Here's Eddie and Eunice. When last have you prayed for them? Here's Richard. There's Dr. Marlene Hyla. That's what they're doing. They're out there proclaiming the gospel. Are you praying for the unsaved and forgetting about those who are supposed to be reaching them? If the, if the individuals, if the tool, if the method isn't correct, isn't right, no matter how much you use the tool, the result is not going to be good. The product is not going to be right. So he's saying, pray for me that I might have opportunity to proclaim the word. And when I proclaim the word, I do it accurately so they can understand the truth. The word of God. And that's what I ask you to pray for on my behalf as well. When we proclaim this word, it is the word of God we're proclaiming and not our own, not the word of man. That's what he prays for. But we also need to pray for those, we also need to pray for those who need the gospel. He brings it up in First Timothy. He says, verse four, well, verse one. First of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority. That is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So yes, we pray for those who preach the gospel, and we pray for those who need the gospel, the unsaved. Now we have, we have examples of evangelistic praying in Scripture. Let's begin with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Jesus used the method of evangelistic prayer. In fact, on the cross, his, his prayer was what? Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they're doing. Praying for those who are killing him. He's praying for the lost. Jesus himself. In Isaiah, the prophet saw this. This is what he said concerning Jesus. I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many, and what? He interceded on their behalf. Jesus himself prayed for the lost. He's an example for us in using prayer as a tool, as a method of evangelism. John 17, he says, I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those who, are, who believe in me through their word. Jesus was praying for you and for me at this prayer. And thank God, the prayer was answered for some of us who are here. That they may all be one even as we are one and so on. Jesus prayed for the Lord, praying for you and for me. Remember Stephen. Stephen himself. In Acts chapter 7 when he's being stoned. And they went on stoning Stephen. As he called upon the Lord and said. Lord Jesus receive my spirit. And falling on his knees he cried out with a loud voice. Lord do not hold this sin against them. And having said this he fell asleep. Stephen followed the example of Jesus Christ. And he prayed for the sinners. He prayed for the lost. Prayer evangelism is a New Testament methodology for doing evangelism. Paul did the same thing. Because remember, Paul was standing there. And Stephen was being stoned. His salvation was an answer, in fact, to Stephen's prayer. Have you ever thought of that? Paul was there, holding the garments of those who were killing Stephen. Stephen says, do not hold it against him. He was praying for them. Paul was saved, I believe, the result also of Stephen's prayer. You see, Paul prayed for the lost. In Romans chapter 9, he says, verse 1, I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bearing the witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. 
For I could wish that I myself were a curse, separated from Christ, for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And then in chapter 10, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is their salvation. Paul had a deep emotional concern for the salvation of his brethren in the flesh. And he said, if it were possible, I would even go to hell for them. Boy, you know, I was trying to say, right, can I ever come to that point? Can I be able to say that I would gladly go to hell if all the Chinese people in the world could be saved? I can be honest. That's hard for me to say yes, if you know what hell is. Separation from God forever. But Paul prayed for the salvation of the lost, and he had an emotional concern, a deep sorrow. How about you? about me when we think of the lost, the unsaved. Do you pray for them? That's why in our prayer time we do that. We make it a point. Always. And this is all it's for, is to remind you to pray by name for those who are lost. Because praying evangelistically is a New Testament method, method for doing evangelism. And so here what I would like suggest for you to do. And if you've got a piece of paper, or write it on the bulletin if you want. Here's what I want you to do to put this into, into action, this principle. One, I want you to list the name of at least one government official for whose salvation you will pray for this month, or until he or she is saved. Because that's what Paul says, we pray for the leaders. Isn't that right? That they might know come, come Christ. Well, think of one who you know is unsaved. Now, I know you can know that, but anyway, think about one who you believe is unsaved. And you name that name and you pray for that individual. You'll be obeying scripture. You'll be praying evangelistically. You'll be doing evangelism. Secondly, list the name of at least three family members for whom you will pray the same. You'll pray until God saves those individuals, your loved ones. Because the Bible says we can pray and we should pray for the unsaved. And then list the name of two friends for whom you'll pray for salvation. One government official, maybe we should reverse that. Maybe we should say pray for 50 million. No, I'm only kidding. No. One government official, three friends, two friends and three family members. And then on the top of the list, put the name of one Christian missionary, preacher, pastor who shares the gospel, that they will do so effectively. They will preach the word clearly with every opportunity they have. Make it a point to do that. And you'll be following the biblical method of doing evangelism. Now let's look at another one. I call this one natural evangelism. All coming from that passage in Colossians. Today, people call it friendship evangelism. Well, I'm calling it natural evangelism because I want to make a point. Natural evangelism is when we use every opportunity to share with the unsaved wisely. Now, that's the way we should live. Isn't that right? It should be natural for us as believers to share the gospel with the unsaved. We shouldn't have to go out of our way to make friends. Now, I'm not saying don't do it, mind you. I'm trying to make a point. All right? This should be the natural way for us as believers. And that's the problem. The Christians are not living naturally. Let me put it the other way. As believers, we are supranatural. Not super supranatural because we have the indwelling spirit within us. We are to live a different lifestyle. 
reason why many more people are not coming to Christ is not because we don't have an evangelistic service, or it's not because we don't have evangelistic crusades, it's not because we're not giving out more tracts, because Christians are not living like Christians. That's the reason. And that's the major reason why more people are not being coming to Christ. Because Christians are not being Christians. Christ-like. You see, if we just be natural what we are as believers, maybe I should say spiritually natural. If we simply be who we are in Christ, people will come to Christ. Conduct yourselves, in verse 5, Colossians 3 says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. Making the most of the opportunity. You see, I think that's one of our greatest problems as Christians when we talk with unsaved. We don't act wisely. We act like them. We want to be like them. We want to be acceptable to them. And so we get into using the same language. We use this, you laugh at the same dirty jokes. That's not wise. We're losing the opportunity to share the gospel. And so he's saying, recognizing each opportunity, Recognize each opportunity as God's provision. In other words, you are praying that God will give you an opportunity to share the gospel. Look here, here's an unsaved person. Recognize it as an opportunity to verbally share the gospel that you have been demonstrating by your lifestyle. But let me say this. If we mean cussing and drinking just like them, don't talk to them about Christ. Don't do it. Because you're blaspheming the name of Christ in the front of the pagan. It's your lifestyle that gives power to sharing the gospel. Share the gospel clearly. Notice what he says. So that we may speak forth the mystery in order that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. It's amazing how many Christians do not know the gospel. They don't know how to, what are the basic elements for proclaiming the gospel must understand the gospel. We're going to be talking about that tonight. The need to clarify the message and to speak it forth accurately. Do you know what the gospel is? Some people say, well, in order to be saved, you've got to be baptized. Well, here am I. I just got knocked down by the car. I got one second to live. Three seconds. Give me a little bit more time. What must I do to be saved? Be baptized. Oh, boy. What would you tell a person that's only got five minutes Live. How to enter the kingdom of God. Do you know the basic message of the gospel? That's what he's praying for. Clarity. That's why sometimes when we, when, when we preach, we preach so many things. We preach around the word. We don't preach the word. We preach about the word. We don't preach the word. Paul says, I want to make it clear. And we'll be talking about that tonight. And then thirdly, he says in this, for which I also have been imprisoned. Expect opposition. I don't think that when you live for Christ, this is one of the, I, this is the greatest farce I believe that Christians have, is that if I be a nice, loving Christian, everybody going to love me. That's not true. The more Christ-like you become, the more people are going to reject you. The more people are going to oppose you. Now behind the back, they may say, well, I respect it. But up front, no, no, no. If the more Christ-like you are in your life, the more the people are going to hate you. Why? Because it shows them up. That's what happened to Jesus Christ. That's what he means the world will convict, the, the, the Spirit will convict the world of righteousness because I've gone. He's confronted the world with a righteous lifestyle. They've been aware of it. 
Expect opposition. If you are loved by every unsaved person, you are so nice, something is wrong with your life. Share the gospel graciously. He says, speak the truth in love. Now, this one hard. Because sometimes we have the opportunity. But boy, when we start sharing the gospel, we use it, the gospel as a hammer. And we just beat them, you old sinner. Boom, 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 boom. And you know, when we start talking about them, they have all the things, we just beat them down. No, share, speak the truth in love. Then he says, share the gospel with sensitivity. Seasoned, as it were, with salt. Share the gospel intelligently so that you may know how you should respond to each person. Now, when we get into this tale, this is what we might call apologetics. You know how to use a conversation to convince people of the claims of Jesus Christ. By the way, Telios will be uh, presenting some courses along these lines we're going to begin in a week, so if we can get uh, some people to help, continue to help us to clean up and everything else, we'll get going. Critical thinking. First course. The whole idea is, how do we relate to people who oppose the gospel? How do we share the reasons for our belief? In fact, many Christians here, I say to you now, how many of you believe in the Trinity? How many of you hold your hands up? Some of you are scared now because you think I'm going to lead you down some kind of thing. Probably everybody. I says, oh, tell me where the Trinity is taught in the New Testament. You see, so all of a sudden now, people start to, you know, what does it mean, the Trinity? You see, we make these big claims, these same, we believe this. But when you come to the point is, demonstrate to me why you believe it. We're stuck. That's how you share the gospel intelligently. How? By knowing your faith. The only way you can share your faith intelligently, if you know it. Paul says, so you will, know, you will know how to respond to each person. Because you'll be surprised. You deal with one person, his concerns is entirely different from this person over here. But we have the four spiritual laws. And I don't care what you say. The four spiritual laws is all you need to know. So this guy over here, he has a special concern. What, you, what do you need? You need four, four spiritual laws. This lady over here needs entirely different. What do you need from me? The four spiritual laws. You can't do it that way. That's methods. That's gimmicks. And you use it in that fashion. Now, the four laws are right. But don't use it just as a gimmick. Make sure that it's based on a lifestyle of conviction as well. You see? And so I encourage you to become involved in this idea of how to share your faith intelligently. How to know not only what you believe, but why you believe it. Now... Let me give you some principles for what I call natural or friendship evangelism. First, you go. Now, I'm going to clarify it in a moment, but I just want to make this point. The unsaved will not come to us. We must go to them. What I'm saying is here. Our evangelistic services is normally a good, what? You bring people where? Here. It's like a fisherman going out on the dock and sitting on the boat. And thinking the fish can jump in the boat. So you paint the boat. You put all kind of nice smelly things in the boat. You put conch in the boat. You put everything in the boat. Thinking the boat can, the fish can come to jump in the boat. It don't work that way. You got to go where they are. Isn't that right? That's the idea here. The unsaved will not come to you naturally. 
need to go to them. Now we're going to see though that we need to, to clarify that and I will in a moment. But then stay. Stay in a relationship even when it becomes difficult. In other words, I'm talking about your relationship with an unsaved friend that you have a desire to see come to Christ and you've been sharing with, but things are becoming difficult and hard. You say, what's the use? I'm not going to talk to this person anymore. He curses, he swears, he smokes, he drinks, but that's the people you're trying to win. It's amazing to me. I ain't, I'm not going to do this guy because he cusses too much. He drinks too much. Who are you going to try to win to Christ? Those who don't smoke, drink, do cuss? That's who you're going to try to lead to Christ? No, you're going to look for the sinner. Isn't that right? But what's happening? We're withdrawing. We have this idea of isolation. I've got to be holy. What that means is I don't even talk to an unsaved person. My Jesus didn't teach that kind of a lifestyle at all. You see? So you stay in a relationship with an unsaved person, even if it becomes difficult. Expect opposition. Thirdly, you bless people in the practical ways by your lifestyle, by what you do. Reach out to give them help and nobody else is reaching out. And don't go saying, I'm doing this because I'm evangelizing you. Don't tell them that. You're doing it just to demonstrate what? Love and a righteous lifestyle. See, that's what you're doing. And then you tell. You let them know what God is doing in your own life. How God has blessed you, how he's kept you. I had a little girl, believe it or not, who came in to see me this morning. She said, Pastor Lee, you ever been to a doctor? I think she's only six, you know, or something. I says, yeah. She says, well, I have to go to the doctor, and I'm afraid. So I brought her, and I hugged her. And I said, what are you going to the doctor for? She says, because I have trouble breathing. I says, you know something? I had that same trouble, and I had to go to the doctor. And he was a nice doctor. He treated me good. I said, you know, always remember the doctor, the Lord can use the doctor to help you. He don't want to hurt you. He didn't hurt me. I had the same problem. You see? And I said, you want me to pray for you now? She says, yes. So I just hugged her and we prayed. You know, they're jumping, smiling. What was I doing? I was sharing how God blessed me in the same situation. You see? That's what we're talking about, but bless others by telling them what God has done for you. See, that's the idea. And then you share. This is where, uh, I'm going to change that word because this word is becoming, uh, this word is, is share. I mean, everything we do now is sharing, eh? This is preach, proclaim, all right? Explain the gospel clearly and accurately when you have the opportunity. See, it's not every time you see them is the opportunity Displaying the gospel. You know that, isn't it? But you see, sometimes we think it is. If we don't do it, he might go to hell. Before the next time I see him, but that's in God's hands. Wait for the right opportunity. See, the Spirit does not only have to prepare you, the Spirit has to prepare the individual to whom you're speaking as well. You see, when both hearts are prepared, then conversion takes place. And then six, in closes, I am simply be. So I said, I want to explain the going here. Because sometimes we think the only way we evangelize is if we go someplace. No, be. Walk among the, we walk among the unsaved every day. So be who you are. Preach by the way you live. That's the idea, you see. So let me give you an application before we go. 
So I gave you some lists before, but now I want you to expand that just for one person. I want you to prayerfully list one unsaved person. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's somebody in your office. Maybe it's at school. I don't know who it is. Ask the Spirit to lay it upon your heart. Prayerfully list one unsaved person with whom you will begin to establish or continue a valid but decidedly evangelistic relationship. And notice I said evangelistic relationship. You want to see that person come to Christ. And you're going to commit yourself with God's help to do everything that is necessary. You're going to live righteously before that person. You're going to be loving towards that person. You're going to be ready to share what God has done in your life. And you're going to be ready to clearly explain the gospel the opportunity to come to Christ. To me, that is what the New Testament presents, a methodology for doing evangelism. Not only gimmicks we use, tactics we use, but it's who we are. Unless the things we do are based upon a lifestyle of holiness, righteousness, purity of lifestyle, no matter how much we say things, we preach the gospel, be of no effect. The question here for you today is, is not will you do something evangelistically as much as will you live a lifestyle that reflects evangelism, a desire for other people to come to Christ. Bow with me in a word of prayer, please. Take a few moments if God has spoken to you in any fashion. Maybe these are the moments that you want to write the name of that individual. Do that right now. Do it as a commitment to God. But this individual, you will focus on with God's help to lead to Christ because you have a passion and compassion to see this person escape hell and find his home in glory. Perhaps there's something in your life now that has been hindering you to live evangelistically. Your life is one of dishonesty and lack of integrity, lack of purity. This is the time to get it right with God. Pray that God will use you as his instrument for bringing many into the kingdom of God. Father, thank you for your word. Use it, we pray, to accomplish your purpose. 